I was a lion in the tall grass. Wish I had a pilot and a podcast. Wish I had a strong donkey that can holler ass and travel with portable speakers playing Baba's scats. Wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had a million hours. I wish I had a million problems. That way I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes. I wish I found a genie lamp. I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man. Yeah. I wish I was a comedian. Late night sitcom syndicated on TV land. I wish this well had water in it. These kids are stealing all my pennies. Focused on my wealth. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish for help. It's like, it's like, I wish, I wish. And every time we love and it feels just like this. I wish, I wish. And every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish. And every time we love and it feels just like this. It feels just like this. It feels I wish I had a time machine. Wish I had a better rhyming scheme. Wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew from my lima bean. I wish that I could spread my wings. I wish that I had seven limbs. That way I'd hold on to everything and laugh when I hear people wishing for the better things. I wish I spoke fluent Spanish. Dímelo, dímelo. At least I kind of understand it. Wish that I could throw the deuce like Gambit and get so large I could play pool with the planets. Yeah. I wish I was an astronaut. I wish I knew more classic rock. <laughs> Focused on myself. You can't help me wish, but I would rather wish for help. It's like, it's like, I wish, I wish that every time we love it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish that every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, and every time we move and it feels just like, like this, feels just like this, it's just, it's like, like Hello, cats and kittens, and welcome to another episode of The Debrief. I am your host, Brianna Joy Gray, and I am very excited to talk about the latest episode of Bad Faith Podcast, which featured Matt Taibbi talking about the Twitter files, and more specifically, what I think is a rare thing, which is a actual left critique of some of the uh, document provision processes and uh, whether there's been sufficient interrogation of whether the interests of the journalists involved, which I think are really important in the reporting that has been done so far is kind of unquestionably useful and good and anybody given access to those documents, I'm of the opinion, should definitely pursue them in the ways that Matt Taibbi has been pursuing them. But that doesn't erase whether or not there are questions that everyone should also be asking about how the process could be more transparent and what the public should know about what the Twitter files journalists do and do not know in the constraints that have been put on their document requests and how that's shaping the kind of information that's coming out of the Twitter files. And all that being said, whether or not some of the broader claims that have been made are credible or whether or not people can actually make them not having access to the entire archive, namely that there is no evidence or little to no evidence at all that there has been any negative impact for the left, that there have been any, any attacks on the left as a consequence of the requests that have been made by the deep state, uh, et cetera, to censor information and individuals on the bird app. All right. So, uh, I let's get into it. You know what? I ran into Neo's algorithm at an event over the weekend and he suggested that maybe I should do more preamble up top. Honestly, there's always just so many people in the queue. I like to just get started. So Michael, let me know what's on your mind. 
I love the preambles. Do you hear me? Are you with us, Michael? Yeah, I unmuted. Can you hear me? Why can't I hear anything? And is it my fault or your guys' fault? That is very weird. Okay, one second. I hear anything that's coming out of this. Oh, hello? Test, test, test. Sorry about that. I'm not sure what that was. I pressed something weird on the soundboard. Okay, all right. What's on your mind? Okay, you can hear me now, right? Yes. Okay, we, usually it's my fault. So um, No, no, no. Was, this time was, there's a button that looks like an ear. I don't know why I pressed it, but I pressed it, and so here we are. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll say for, for, for my vote, I love the preambles. I remember that force the vote preamble we did a while ago. They were talking about that in other call-ins for days after. So, yeah, preamble <laughs> away as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> well, I will register your vote. <laughs> awesome. I loved uh, today's episode. I thought I, that might have been my favorite one this year so far. Um, I, I mean, you were, you were so prepared, like uh, he, the conversation, he, he kept wanting to go other directions, but you just were like a fierce advocate for the left. And I felt very represented, um, as someone on the left who wants to know, like what, what the Twitter side of the implications were in, uh, 2020, especially mm-hmm. I remember at, at the beginning of 2020, there was an article or something. I didn't find it prior to coming on, but the, the idea was anyone who used the word rigged was going to have like consequences, whatever that meant, shadow mm-hmm. banning or whatnot, right? So, I mean, I would have loved to, to hear what he had to say. Like if there was a search for rigged and then shadow bans or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Like there's tons of this. We know it exists and it's a little odd. Um, like uh, some of some of his framing, like it's not that important. This is the important work we're doing now, which to your credit, and you're like, yes, this is very important work. But you have a very nuanced point that um, we want to know from what the implications were on the left. So mm-hmm. like, that's all you were saying. And, and I was I was hoping that you shoot your shot and say, OK, Matt, just put me in. I, I see you don't have to, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you're paying a lot of money for I don't need money. You right. Said that. You said that. I don't need money. Just let me uh, let me have a crack at this. I won't expose anything. anything that I say. You can go through you. Whatever. You'll get all the credit once I expose all this DNC wrongdoing and whatever we find. That's what. But Aaron Mate's on it, and that's cool too. So yeah, I'm I'm very glad to hear that. Um, you know, look, I think it's a more the merrier situation, and I completely appreciate why Matt doesn't want people to have access that they can then use to undermine some of the points he's making, the reporting that he's making. But I do think like, I don't mean to harp on the Chrissy Teigen example, but I think there's a way that if there were people who were kind of reporting on that stuff all along, it would be out there, but it wouldn't be used as a, I told you so the way it ultimately was in this big hearing, you know, as I don't mean to make everything also analogy to the law, but I don't know. Lawyers are good at arguing and they figured out some things one of the things they figured out is that you have, if you have a bad fact, you get it out on your terms. You know, you get it out in your briefing. You don't ignore it. You figure out how to contextualize it in a way that softens the blow and hurts your case the least. And that's kind of how I feel about some of this stuff that is of interest to liberals. Okay. It, it's also legitimate stuff to report on. It's legitimate that Donald Trump is trying to get people's accounts and tweets taken down as well. So go ahead. 
let people have a bite at it, let that stuff come out too, and people can focus on the things that are useful to their agenda. But what you got, what we're kind of getting a picture of instead is like an admission that, you know, Matt has his own priorities, which I agree are very important and much more important than whatever happens with Chrissy Teigen. I think he is right to identify the intelligence agency's efforts to suppress information as likely the most important thing to come out of the Twitter files. Although, again, I have to caveat that because we just don't know what else there is. But I think it's a pretty significant acknowledgement to say, okay, I had a broader search terms and then I started to see this stuff about the intelligence agencies and then I chose to drill down on that and basically haven't looked at anything else since I've been in these files because I think I'm only going to get a number of bites of the apple. I'm only going to get to run a num- certain number of searches. I haven't been told specifically how many, but I have a sense that, you know, the patients will ultimately wear thin and therefore I'm going to search in this area that I know bears fruit. And that's completely legitimate. But if that is the case, then that paints a very different picture of what we should be expecting to get out of the Twitter files. If I'm only looking, you know, if I'm only on a hunt for apples, I can't exactly claim that there's no other fruits out there in the forest, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it, it, like keeping the scope into this very important area, but just this area, the, the limitations on what could be there. I mean, we have no idea the extent of what was going on. And he, he mentioned um, those emails quite a bit, but I think even just within that, what was done within the algorithm, if, if you looked into the, that, which doesn't sound like there's been substantive testing through Twitter files, mostly going through Slack and, uh, and emails from what I understood from, from hearing. But if you just looked exactly at what kind, where shadow bands were, um, what, what algorithmic, algorithmic things were put in place, you might find a lot of information. Like imagine what the fallout could be like if you just noticed that prior to uh, Iowa, around the Iowa time, like the terms were shadow banned for about uh, about the app, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can say, okay, who who where did that come from? Mm-hmm. And it might not have been something that was found in the scope within the emails you're saying now. I mean, all, any of these implications could be huge. Um, and so that's why it's a little weird to hear the reticence to when he's done with this project, like he said something along the lines of, uh, well, you know, people have to live their lives outside of uh, just working this thing. And and it, it sounds like there's reticence to opening up to broader scopes. Um yeah, or even not even reticence. I wouldn't even put that on that. It just, like, it, it felt to me like he feels like he's only going to get so much time and so much access. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to focus on what he thinks is most important. And I have no qualms with that whatsoever. Like, none. And I feel petty because, honestly, like, me thinking there might be something against the left, I mean, like, I, it's a little incredible to me that there wouldn't be, but it could completely be true that there is very little in terms of Twitter censorship of leftists, or it could be, it can, I, I think this is probably absolutely true, even if there is some significant stuff against the left, that the stuff against the right dwarfs it in volume. I think that that's probably very likely. And I'm not interested in a narrative that says, oh, they came after the left more than the right. I don't really care about what they did to the right. I mean, like, I, I don't mean to say it like that, but like my investment is not in diminishing claims about how much the right was targeted. That is no skin off my back. Like, great get them. They shouldn't have done that. Like go after them. Right. 
mm-hmm. get them, you know. But I, I'm a leftist, so I just want to make sure that somebody has looked to see also what's happening to our community, what the implications are for our community. And if they look and the answer is none, then great. But the reveal that there, no one's really been looking apparently up into this point. When at the same time, there have been these claims that the overwhelming gist of what's in the Twitter file documents is anti-right and that there's nothing anti-left, that is a claim I just don't think you can make. You you can say, of what I've seen so far and of the limited searches that I've done so far, that is the case. But, and I, I see people, I see Maggie in the chat saying, well, he's made those disclaimers. It's quite the opposite, actually. What he said is to, I think, go beyond what he has to say to make a broader characterization without that precise limitation. You can say that's petty and you can think that's small and you think that doesn't matter. But as a leftist, I think it does matter because I think it should be disclosed. We should know that to the extent that there is no information really about how Twitter censors the left, no one has literally looked for it. And I think that's a pretty interesting thing to have discovered in the context of the interview. Yeah, and he is saying, well, we, we, we're seeing these trends from these emails we're looking at, but the, the vast majority of that time that he referenced was post-primary. Uh, mm-hmm. And and they were saying, um, you know, most people at Twitter were uh, Democrat-leaning, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean left or right. That means right, Democrats, I'm like, oh, that's likes, major yikes. So, so yeah, <laughs> it, 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 90% of the emails are... are um, attacking the right but that's because at that point they already squashed the movement on the left and as leftists we want to know how how twitter was used as part of an overarching or this is what i want to know an overarching uh way of suppressing uh, uh, the sanders movement and i mean we know it happened just uh, look they were they suppress anti-establishment voices including the right. And I would agree that the right anti-establishment force, especially right now, is bigger than the left anti-establishment force because there is none, really, that is of any threat. I completely agree with all of that. But to your point, that wasn't the case in 2016. It wasn't the case in 2019, 2020. And if you have that analysis of why the liberals who overpopulate Twitter would have had critiques and wanted to suppress the right and narratives that were being embraced by the right around COVID and some other things, then that same logic would lead you to think that they would do the same thing for, you know, a Bernie-aligned movement that really was a threat to power at various points in the last six or seven years. And it's just, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If there's nothing there, there's nothing there. But what we know now is that no one's really looked. Although, I mean, I know, maybe, maybe Lee has looked. Um, but the other, apart from Lee and, and um, Matt, the others aren't really especially left-leaning. So it's not clear to me that they would have looked. So it's it's really just up to it's up to them. And now Aaron, which I'm so excited, and these other people yeah, that yeah. he's hired, which I'm so excited about. I do. I felt a lot better hearing Aaron was on the case. Yeah. Although I still wanted him to give you a shot. Imagine what you'd find. <laughs> I mean, I mean, how did it? What was so funny is that when when um. Glenn was on and I asked him, you know, whether he would participate and he was like, probably not because I have these, you know, exact concerns that we're describing here. I, I, I had these concerns, but I did not agree with Glenn that I wouldn't participate. I a hundred percent if offered the opportunity to do some of these or this review would a hundred percent do it despite my reservations. But because of my reservations, I think it would 
I would be asking, I would making, be making different kinds of document requests and perhaps be a little bit more um, open about my critique of the process. But like the other part of the interview that I thought was interesting that came out was when I was asking about what happened to Barry. Barry. And, and I know, look, I'm not trying to get Matt Taibbi denied access to the Twitter files because, again, he's doing important information and I understand not wanting to throw stones or to anger anybody or to take sides. But what, it, it, you, it cannot be ignored that Barry was one of the most prominent voices that was where that were doing these Twitter file release threads. She, I think, took a principled stand. I have a, a, plenty of disagreements with Barry Weiss, but she took this principled stand saying it was wrong for Elon to ban the Elon Jets account and all the journalists who were reporting on the Elon Jets accounts. And apparently after that moment, her relationship with the Twitter files ended. So, yeah. I mean, how can that not be a piece of this conversation about what pressures the journalists involved are under not to be critical of Elon Musk? And it's, it's not like these uh, wealth barons are buying these media sources because of their strong desire to get the truth out. Right? Like Jeff Bezos didn't buy the Washington Post. Right. Um, for, for, you know, or, or anybody. So to, the, to pretend that it's, it's like no one wants to talk about the obvious bias that these types of people have when they buy sources of information. Like right. This. And, and, like, and it's not Elon derangement, by the way, to point that out. It's Elon right. dick sucking. I'm sorry <laughs> to feel like you can't say just obvious true things about why billionaires spend billions of dollars. <laughs> and, and I can kind of see why, why Matt might, might not be all on board with us seeing as Elon is giving him this opportunity like mm -hmm. he kind of has to shut down a critique on that a little bit. Well, maybe not because he says he doesn't care, you know. But um, I would his position seems pretty compromised, and he is getting a lot of good information out of it. So I could see why he would would kind of slow that, especially if what you're saying, like if if Barry Weiss uh, had a critique and he just she just got shut out like that. Uh, Maybe, you know, he's just. Yeah, he's, I, I understand why he would be hesitant to say anything critical. But like we like I'm not and I'm not frankly asking him to, but I'm not in the Twitter files. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an independent. I'm independent from all of this. And journalists, including journalists on the left who really value and appreciate what Matt's doing, because Matt is in a position where he is not as free to say this stuff. If he still wants to have access. We should be saying it, mm. you know, given, like. Given yeah, go ahead. Given Matt's long body of work on behalf of the left, too, it's hard for me to believe that he didn't have some degree of marching orders if he's going to say, oh, no, we didn't really search for that at all. Um, it, well, I don't know. I wouldn't even make that clear. I don't mean I, I think that Matt is I, I look, I think that Matt is genuinely invested in his area of interrogation. And I think that his choice of area to investigate is perfectly legitimate. Like, I, if, if, I, if I were sitting here and he had the option, if he only had like five more searches left and his options are to keep investigating what the deep state was doing with Twitter or do my search for like near Tand in 2020, I completely agree with him. Like, I, with, I completely understand his approach. Do you know what I mean? Like, I am in no way criticizing yeah. his approach or the reporting he's done on what he's uncovered. And I don't know how many times I have to say that. Like, it's what's really frustrating is people are like, but what he's doing is important. And I'm like, well, great news. I don't know how many times I can agree with that, but that without people being pretending like it's adversarial, like how many, how many radars have 
I done dunking on stupid liberal media criticisms of Matt Taibbi? I literally can't count them. All we do is on, on rising is talk in, on and on and on about how bad faith the criticisms are of Matt and how important the reporting is. Which is why I, you know, I feel like I've kind of earned the ability to make this marginal critique from the left. Just please asking the question if anyone is going to do any searches for issues that are germane to the interests of the left, you know. And if people don't want to, they don't have to. But at least it should be disclosed that those searches are not happening, especially representations are ma- being made about how the only thing that's in the Twitter files that they've seen is attacks on the right. Well, yeah, of course, if you're not looking for attacks on the left. Yeah, I didn't want to undermine him either. I, I think he's he's found something that he thinks is very pertinent and is, and it is. drilling down. Yep, he's drilling down into it, and that's his focus. But at the same time, he's saying, well, I don't know that we'll have all this much time. So um, from there, if, if we want to look at these other areas, you need to open it up. And maybe maybe he's doing that in this all the other people he's brought on, that's what they're working on. I don't know. Time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, what I would like, what I would like to happen, I think what would be a great outcome is look, sometimes, sometimes you talk to people and you think, Oh, like you realize, Oh, well, that's a good point. And maybe I'll do this or that or the other. Maybe it was always part of the agenda that he was going to get to some of this left stuff down the line. Maybe that was always part of the plan with hiring these 10 people that he mentioned, including Aaron, to work on it. So whether it's as a consequence of this interview or not, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll see some other kinds of stuff come out, important stuff come out. And I'm, I'm so glad that he and these others are doing that work. I don't, I don't understand. You know, it's so funny. We, we have these conversations. The left is like divided right now over how adversarial the politics should be, whether the squad is sufficiently adversarial, whether Marion Williamson will be sufficiently adversarial. But if I ask a question in an interview, that's not tell me how wonderful you are. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how I'm being told I'm bossy and, and, and mean and disparaging. One of the comments was like, you kept calling him that, and that was rude. I don't, what? <laughs> it's the man's name. I don't know what you want me to do, guys. <laughs> like, I told, I sent him my radar raising these complaints, um, these, you know, this concern that I had before we talked. I was like, this is where I'm coming from. And he agreed to the conversation. He's a grown man. He's very capable. You know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you guys. Yeah, I think people are a little bit too persnickety nowadays. I, I, David Sirota had a tweet the other day talking about how frustrated he is with reply bros who mm. don't, uh, who don't um, feel like uh, he should be spending his time moving uh, the government left. That's not worth saving, but he's making impacts. Right. So like mm-hmm. I, I, for everyone on the left, I just hope everybody could have a little bit more grace with everyone on the left and uh, just try to forward causes. And if you're, something rubs you the wrong way, just, just kind of let that one go and save your angst for people to get where it belongs. <laughs> well, like, thanks for calling in, Michael. Thanks for getting some of these issues out on the table, as it were. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, keep the faith. Keep the faith. All right, let's go to Gary. What's on your mind, Gary? Can you unmute yourself, Gary? Did I catch you off guard? I'm doing one from the front, one from a random place in the line, FYI, if you're new to the queue. What's in your mind, Gary? Hello? Hey, what's going on? Hello. Hey. 
I'm all right. How are you doing? What's on your mind? I'm doing well, doing well. Um, yeah, so I, I thought it was a good interview. I mean, I love, I love Matt. So, of course, um, you know, he's always going to, you know, provide a good interview. Um, but the thing about it is what's important to the left, I think, is important to pin down. Because from my perspective, as somebody who's, you know, independent and not really on any side, um, and thus my, my biases as far as issues don't really come from any, like, political tribe, I can't understand why the revelations that have come out aren't important to the left. You know what I'm saying? Wait, like, which, I can't understand. which revelations do you think the left haven't thought of as important? No, well, I'm, I'm hope, what I'm hoping is that, because you were saying, are they making any um, inquiries about censorship that's important to the left? And I'm thinking mm-hmm. the, inquiry, the, the censorship around COVID should be important to the left. Mm-hmm. That, that should be like the most important thing to the left, even more important than Bernie Sanders in Nevada. I feel like if the left's looking at what happened around COVID and they're not like, whoa, that's insane. And we shouldn't allow this and we should bear down on this. And this is our issue. This is not some right wing issue. This is not Project Veritas's issue. This is a left wing issue because it affects where it affects labor, labor power, you know, arbitrary um, disintegration of labor power to the point where like literally labor is like they, they went to the point where it's like labor literally almost had their contract, their employer contracts like nullified by COVID. And the conversation around that was, well, it's public safety. So we're allowed to do whatever we want, like a complete disintegration of any type of labor power. And, you know, for leftists not to look at that and think, how do we not let this happen again? And what was going on behind the scenes to, limit discourse and resistance to this i'm like this is a like this is a the leftist issue of our time and so i feel like he is bearing he is pinning um zero in on issues that should be important to leftists and if they're not important to leftists and if leftists look at what his revelations are and not seeing anything for them then that's more telling on what their priorities are and not on what he's uncovering because i feel like he's bringing important information to bear and I don't know. I just feel like the left is kind of they lost the plot a little bit. Well, I don't know. So there's a crit- criticism that some leftists somewhere haven't been paying attention enough to the Twitter files. I think that's absolutely true. But that's not a criticism of me because <laughs> I go on rising like every day and for like months now have been talking about how important the Twitter files are and how much uh, the mainstream isn't covering it enough. And we had Glenn Greenwald on and did a Twitter files episode. And I've been asking Matt to come on. Like if Matt, you know, he was very busy. This is not at all a criticism of Matt, but if he had come on earlier in this process, we probably would have done a straight interview of just what's in the disclosures, like what's in the reporting. But at this point he's done so many interviews and I've watched so many interviews and I've enjoyed so many of his interviews and there's been so much written about it. And I've personally talked about it so much that I felt like there was more of incentive at this juncture to talk about the things that weren't being asked. So I, I hear your critique that some parts of the left didn't see the COVID censorship or any of the other parts of the Twitter file disclosures as a big story, but I don't really know what that has to do with this, you know, this particular interview and this other thing that I think is relevant to the left that is not being explored anywhere. Well, I think the major critique, I feel like the major critique is misplaced because the critique is of what he's not investigating. And I feel like, that's really not the priority because what he is revealing is incredibly important instead of the kind of focus being, okay, we need to 
take what he's already given us and start to extrapolate out what exactly is going on and how the government is working against us. Wait, I'm sorry. Why are those mutually exclusive? Why, why are you making that an either or? I, I like I don't know if I if I did if I interviewed Matt Taibbi 99 times and talk about how important all of those disclosures were 99 times. Am I allowed on my 100th episode to ask him about any of this or do you just think that because his reporting is useful, I'm categorically never allowed to ask about other things that I think are priorities? Just, let's just say to me, not even to the left, like I don't have a right as a person to ask about whether he's interrogated anything that has to do with the Bernie Sanders campaign. Or, oh, no, or I, I think censorship of leftists? I, I think that's fair, but I just think, obviously, we could all understand that our own personal issues are not necessarily going to be able to be prioritized by a single person. And, and did I not say that, like, explicitly on the podcast, that I completely appreciate that my priorities aren't your priorities, but I just wanted to have some clarity about what you've actually searched for and what you haven't searched for so that we can know that it's not that there is nothing about left censorship, but that you actually just have chosen for completely legitimate reasons not to look at left or focus on left censorship? I think, well, I think there was a maybe a consideration that it was possible that there was things being left out or denied to him that maybe he didn't know about. Um, I know you were definitely giving him the third degree about, oh, how do you know? How do you know you're not getting everything regarding leftist censorship? And, you know, he obviously there's no way for him to know. But the issue is not whether or not something's being left out with regards to the left. The issue is is the left not really given enough credence to what has already come out? No, and you have just said that, but that doesn't make it true. The issue can be both that some leftists have not given enough attention to the disclosures that have in the reporting that has already come out. And also that other leftists, meaning me, thinks that is curious about whether or not there has been any research into other areas of exploration. I don't like you're truly just doing black and white thinking here. And I don't understand why I keep you, the line of questioning keeps trying to put me in the position where I don't care. and I don't value what's already come out and that I haven't talked about it ad nauseum and reported on it. And, and I don't like that's just not true. So is it possible for you to make a critique of the subject of this interview without making a presumption that is inaccurate about my focus or interest in the other parts of what have come out of the Twitter files? Okay, so I don't think I'm misreading it because, like I said, when I when I heard you interrogate him, it was definitely an assumption that there were there was not a priority in investigating liberal uh, or leftist censorship. I think that you were making that assumption on on behalf of Twitter and to some degree on behalf of his his investigation. No, I didn't make that assumption. That there wasn't enough of a priority. Gary, I didn't make an assumption. I asked him. Those were called questions. I asked him. Did you do a search for this stuff? And he said no. Well, I'm just I'm what what my take was. Okay, I'm reframing it as though if leftists look at the things that he reveals and says he's only revealing substantive censorship of right interests, then he's not paying attention to leftist interests. Well, I'm no, saying, that's no, false. What he's revealing that's is, no, that's absolutely incorrect. I, that, I, in no way I did I that say. That's what a lot of people see it as. Well, those people need to try watching the interview because I can't be any more clear than, "Hi, Matt. Have you been looking at censorship of the left?" No, Brianna, I haven't because I think the more important thing to focus on is what the intelligence agencies have been doing with Twitter. 
Brianna says, that's legitimate, but I think people should know that because the broader discourse is that there just isn't anything there with respect to left censorship. But I don't think we can really know that if we haven't really interrogated that. That's it. But one thing you identified was a broader narrative around the censorship of the right. And what yes, I was saying and a that- narrative that Matt Taibbi has explicitly put out there, has explicitly said, hey, like, he could have done all this reporting without ever once saying, you know, he, he, he could say, what, from what I have seen, which everyone should caveat because I have not been given unlimited access to these files, but what I have seen is that the focus was much more on right censorship, which makes sense for obvious reasons. No problems with that whatsoever. But the, 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 the characterization has been slippery and an oftentimes, like, I got to say, I really enjoyed the interview he did with Aaron Monte and Max Blumenthal, I think on the gray zone a couple of weeks ago. But in that interview in particular, I remember him saying, making much broader claims that I don't think are really substantiated about how there just isn't any anti-left censorship. And see, that's the thing. That's, that's the type of framing of left-right that gets Jimmy Dore to be considered right and Max Blumenthal to be considered right. Well, I don't and consider what, what Jimmy Dore is, or Max Blumenthal to be right, so I don't really know what that has to do with this conversation. No, no, what Can I'm we saying, just stick what to what we're talking about and not other people who aren't here? No, literally, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that the, how the left versus right and the censorship of each side is being framed is what's incorrect. I'm saying that the broader narrative around right censorship is really a broader narrative around censorship of issues that actually should be more important to the left than they really are. And it's not about right censorship. It's really about that, censorship that's of issues that should be important to the left. That's great. But are go, not. go talk to Matt about that, though. I didn't. I, I, I'm not the one. I'm not the one that characterized censorship of, say, COVID news as right left. Like Matt's. You know, and all, with all due respect, Matt's the one that has said explicitly multiple times that the censorship direction is against the right, not the left. That That's his framing, not mine. So if you think it's wrong to characterize COVID information or Hunter ba- ba- Laptop or whatever it is as a right issue, knock your socks off. I don't disagree, but your beef is not with me. It's with Taibbi. Oh, yeah. No, I don't. I, I never have. Come on. I don't have a beef with you. I'm just saying I'm trying to reframe it. So what, what, regardless of how he might have in- incorrectly framed it, I'm saying leftists should frame that as their issue and not cede it to the right and say, oh, man, he's paying attention to all this COVID stuff. That's right stuff. What I'm saying is that leftists should look at that and say, wow, he's really uncovering issues that's paramount to us. And I'm like, how how are leftists feeling like they're being left out when really he's revealing things that should be? I can't imagine a leftist finding out. Well, the leftists feel left out. Leftists feel left out because a lot of the investigation has been about the ways that the it's not just general general liberal suppressing uh, stuff germane to, you know, let's say right, like broadly right interest in COVID news and anything else. It's specifically about Donald Trump and whether or not liberals suppress the Hunter laptop story in order to help Biden win. This is largely in the context of election interference, and that's part of why liberals have been so unwilling to talk about it, because they don't want to talk about any there to be any validity, any validity to the thumb being put on the scale in favor of Biden over Trump. They want to run with the media, you know, the, with the, you know, Trump. Trump is the one that claimed the election was rigged, and that's disinformation. Liberals can't do that, you know. Like liberal, you know, they've they've burnt out their own little territory for themselves. Now, as a leftist. I'm also, like the Donald Trump people, very interested in the ways that Twitter participated in censoring information in order to help Donald Trump or Hillary, uh, sorry, in order to help uh, Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton win. 
That, I, I'm interested in it for the exact same reasons that conservatives are interested in it. But there's no representation for researching that sort of misinformation on Twitter or that sort of suppression on Twitter from a leftist perspective. The leftists are being left completely out of this dialogue, and it's just liberal suppression, which, of course, is going to be against the right, but also, frankly, against the left. But that's just not being interrogated, which, again, I want to say is a perfectly fair choice. Matt Taibbi does not have to listen to whatever my peccadillos are about what I think my priorities in the document review are. He doesn't have to. And he could simply say, you know what, I get that that was your concern. That wasn't my concern. So I'm doing what I'm going to do, especially since I only have limited bites of the apple. And I'll say, okay, great. But now I have that information. Now, next time someone out in the media sphere, now on Twitter, on Rising or whatever, says, oh, there was no censorship of the left. Oh, there's just there wasn't any attacks on the left. Like nothing in the Twitter files indicates that there was any interest in suppressing the left. I can simply offer the observation now that I've done this interview that, in fact, none of the people who have been participating in the Twitter files investigation have had the time or interest in investigating that particular question. So it's, it's just an unknown and we shouldn't make any claims one way or the other. But those right censorship claims were, were made before the Twitter files. Do you have any uh, substantial substantial claims about leftist censorship? Yes. That it's called the course. entire Podesta leaks. It's called Donna Brazil's revelations about the DNC being rigged. We know very substantively that the DN that the Democratic Party has put its finger on the scale against progressive candidates. Very substantively. Okay, but and now I feel like I'm, I'm like Matt Taibbi again. It's like, but does that have anything to do with uh, censorship on Twitter? And that's the question. I don't know, because nobody asked, Gary. That's the whole point. <laughs> I don't know, because apparently nobody has looked into that who has access to these files. That's literally the whole point of this conversation. And guys, can I also just say, to the extent that like the conversation went around and around, arguing with this one point, it's for the same reason that I'm going round and round with Gary arguing this one point. Because like, I don't know what to tell you guys, but nuance is not the name of the game here tonight. You gotta let the words like go into your head. Like, I, I'm not. You you guys can't process it because you're 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 interpreting what I'm saying as a lot more than what it is. Just accept that this is a narrow point, and just accept it. And be like, yeah, good point, and we could all move on. But you won't even accept the narrowest, tiniest pushback in the world. So you make it sound out like I'm saying something that I'm not saying. Then I have to explain over and over again that I'm not actually saying that. When If you just heard what I'm actually saying, you would be like, oh, yeah, sure, that's perfectly reasonable. Maybe someone should look into that, but I get why Matt's not looking into that. On to the next. It's not that hard. Oh, no, no, I, I, I 100% <laughs> hear you. Trust and believe. I hear you 100%. I, I understand your your critiques are, not your critiques, but your interests are valid. And everybody who has, you know, political motivations has the same exact interest when it comes to the Twitter files and the investigations therein. All I'm saying on a, this is a whole different topic. This is about how the, the reader and the audience perceives it. This is not necessarily about the process. This is about us on our side of the process and how we receive the information. And I think the, I'm trying to address the pushback against Matt and saying that we need to recalibrate the way we interpret the information and take what, more ownership. What pushback against Matt are you talking about? Well, criti crit criticism that he's carrying water for the right. Well, carrying... I don't think he's carrying water for the right at all. So... I, well, not you. This is not on you. I'm just talking about general critique of Matt and the Twitter files 
from okay, left, look, from I appreciate that you need to push back against that critique, but I don't know that we need to do that here because nobody here, uh, certainly not me, thinks that way. So if you have a critique of liberals critique, I have that critique, too, and you should go and listen to my radars about it and go yell at the person who's saying that. But I it's not me. So I don't know yeah, what to tell I, you. I listen to your radars. Definitely 100 percent. OK, <laughs> I, I just felt like that was an important point to make. I, I feel like leftist, okay. and I feel like we need to promote that. You need to promote leftists need to take ownership of these issues and not just say, where's mine? It's like, take ownership of what he's already provided because there's something there for you to fight. Like, well, if you, fight listen, you, if you to, said you listen to my radars, then you know that that was already the case. So I don't, again, I don't know what your grievance is. It's not a grievance. So, it's just, I'm just amplifying a, a perspective. Uh, okay. All right. Well, you know, perspective noted, registered in the perspective um Registrar of the debrief with Brianna Joy Gray. Gary, I appreciate you calling in tonight, okay? Awesome. You're the best. All right. Take care. Keep the faith. All right, Tyler, what's on your mind tonight? Hello, Bree. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I am well. All three of the dogs. I don't know if you remember the last time I tweeted. I was going to ask. Yes, they're all <laughs> all right here entranced with just the, the, the foolishness. Forgive me. I'm so confused. The chat has me confused. The, the Today's episode had me confused. I don't feel like you're asking too much <laughs> to acknowledge what we're looking at. It, if nothing else, it helps equip the next person who gets access to not search the same things. You know what I mean? Like, my brain, I, I, I guess I'm on something that you're on too. It might be the shots of, what did you always joke about? The um, shots of... Yeah. Look. Oh God, I'm trying to make the joke and it's not landing. But no, no, no. I was gonna have some gin. I was, I was saying to a friend earlier, like, what am I gonna drink tonight to get um, through this? But you know, I'm actually feeling fine, and I have imbibed nothing this evening. Well, look, I, I want to, in defense of people who are coming from Gary's perspective, I do want to say, like, it is true that there has been so much bad faith discourse around Matt Taibbi. I can understand why people are defensive. I guess my frustration is like, I. It is incredibly toxic to take that reality and then to pretend that there's just no good faith critique that exists. And I feel like I have waited months to make the critique. I waited till I did half a dozen supportive pro AB radars and segments before I made the critique. I caveated the shit out of the radar that I did that actually raised these points using the first 10 minutes to talk about how important I thought Matt's reporting was. And it seems like even that isn't enough, which is why I said to Gary, like, if I do 99 shows on the Twitter files is the 100th one okay? Because it really does feel like nothing is enough. So I understand why people are defensive of Matt Taibbi, and I understand why that Matt Taibbi is defensive of this project because I agree with him with how important it is. But, like, I don't know what to tell you guys. Like, I have thoughts, and well, I can caveat, and I can, you know, I, I, don't know what, I don't know what else to do. I can't ignore something that I think is important. Just, you know, like all I can do is soften it as much as possible, but I'm not going to drop important areas of inquiry just because somebody is rightfully beleaguered by bad faith attacks. Well, and I think for me, listening to the call today, I feel like you were incredibly accommodating and really trying to make it, again, a let's strengthen this for the next time a new person gets to request files. Like the idea of, again, releasing the search log is brilliant yeah. to me because you know if we pass along the buck instead of recreating the work that's been done let's take a step forward and search new items you know what i mean like to me that just sounds like such a logical approach to 
continuing and improving and gaining insights to this situation. So um, I actually, that kind of leads to my one thought and it's, it's on, you know, it's, it's germane to this, but I am kind of globalizing a little bit to some recent calls. I really feel like a lot of your recent um, guests uh, bluntly are, for lack of a better word, like overly sensitive to pushback and questioning and good faith and bad faith discussions of, you know, let's just dig deeper. Like, let's really make sure that we're fighting the good fight, covering our bases, covering our asses, you know, like really working hard on that. And I don't want to ever accuse anybody. So this will not be directed at Matt Taibbi or anyone else, but I can't help but wonder if there isn't some either racial or sexist tones in some of the defensiveness from your guests. And I don't, I don't know. I just, it makes me protective over you for what it's worth. I don't know if that's extra. I I just, I appreciate that. I don't look, I don't, I appreciate that. I think that, that that is definitely sometimes the case. I don't think that Matt Taibbi... Not at all. I did not get that from him, for the record. For the record, I did not. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I, it's amazing to me. Look, I watch I watch some of these debate, debate bros go back at each other and call each other everything but a child of God. And I see, I see all kinds of crazy, wild, aggressive, um, ad hominem behavior. And then I look at my own... Um, conversations with someone who I genuinely like and respect, like Matt, Matt, and the critique is you called him Matt, and that I was berating him, <laughs> um, and you know, like I don't know, man. I think it's really interesting. I don't know. Maybe you guys, not you guys, but like I, I don't know what you think journalism is, like, and I know you don't. I don't really don't want to be thinking what you think, like the law is. I don't know if it's a cultural difference, if it's like a New York East Coast thing. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because I'm black and because I'm female and people don't expect me to, I don't know, win arguments or have a thought. Like, I truly don't know what it is. It could be a combination of all of it. But it really boggles my mind when I have, like, what a genuinely peaceful and, like, you know, te- like it's tense because we're we're disagreeing. You're allowed to disagree with people, but when I disagree with people, I'm I'm a I'm an angry black banshee uh, who uh, is it's unfair that I'm fighting. What did Sam Cedar say? It's unfair that I went to law school. That's cheating. <laughs> and it's like okay, right. all right, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't just, know. I don't know. I I don't know that I had more than that. I I just. Honestly, just watching the chat and just hearing the, again, the episode today, I'm just like, I, I'm confused as to where the confusion lies. It's just the long and short of it. So, yeah, uh, just keep on keeping yeah. on. I, you know, a huge stand of yours and uh, just thank you for all you do. That's all I'm going to wrap up with. I don't mean to stop. but No, you're, you're great. Thanks for calling in, Tyler. Thank you for the support and um, take care of those pups. <laughs> yes. And if you want them, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I might need I might need some therapy dogs shortly. <laughs> LOL. Thanks, Have Tyler. Have a great night. You too. Keep the faith. Yeah. All right, L, you are up next. What's on your mind tonight? Oh, did I not do it? Sorry, L. There you go. Can you unmute yourself and let us know what's on your mind tonight? Sorry about that. No worries. Um doing a million things <laughs> uh, trying, trying to listen closely and 
uh, read the chat. I've on- I only heard half of today's episode, um, mm-hmm. but a lot of opinions. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, I think you're 110% correct to, I guess, where you're coming from and your interview and the questions. Um, but my advice to you is kind of the advice that you probably want to give to Matt is you need to ask better follow-up questions. (laughs) Like, not, you know, so in your next interview with Matt, you know, how how is left versus right defined? You know, he he gave a number as to how many emails he received. All right, what what proportion is that? It seems like mm, there's like a data literacy problem. like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the how the process works from the, the journalist journalism uh, perspective. Um, one of the things I'm doing tonight is negotiating my first ever ghostwriting gig. And I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, but but last time I was on and last time I called in, I was completely uh completely lacked integrity in what i said because i really didn't look it up enough like i didn't look at the data of what i was trying to communicate and what i was trying to communicate was something again apologies caveat disclaimer um use this at your own risk i talked about chat gpt right i don't know mm-hmm. if anyone remembers that mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, w- I want to read again, read something really quickly and get your, your take on it. Cause I think it's, it's really related to this whole conversation. Um, so basically I was like, okay, right. ChatGPT is owned by, oh, and this, again, this is like completely embarrassing that I like spewed all this information last, last episode without again, doing the due diligence. Um, so, but I was like, you know, who owns OpenAI and gives me, right. Uh, the, the company is owned by its founders, such as Elon Musk, Sam Altman, Greg Brockman, yada, yada. And then I was like, I was like, wait, what the fuck? You're working with these people? You know, I mean, I got to entertain the, the AI every once in a while. But then I asked it to, I said to tell me more about its founders, right? Tell me more mm-hmm. about these people. And it says... Elon Musk is a well-known entrepreneur and technology innovator who has founded several companies, including SpaceX, Tesla, Neuralink, and The Boring Company. Sam Altman, yada, yada, and then it goes into the other people. And so my follow-up question was, when did Elon Musk found Tesla? And it says, Elon Musk didn't actually found Tesla. So this, <laughs> you know, misinformation machine, the guy, the guy behind this misinformation machine, and I'm sorry, Brie, to get a little angry and animated because, you know, you've kind of communicated that uh, a lot of this is relationship building. And, um, you know, I'm a... I, I don't know. I'm, I'm hard to... What's my point? Um, if we all had more time to do the things that we actually want to do, like if Matt maybe had more time to look into the files, or if you have more time to interview Matt and, and stay on this topic while also not 
being distracted from other things. You know, I think someone in the chat said it was, you know, this is a distraction. And, you know, I'm a big believer in smoke and mirrors. And, and uh, I don't think it's completely out of the line that, you know, someone in the billionaire class is, is going to give you a project to distract you from them building their own misinformation machine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's very interesting. There's been these critiques, obviously, of how the AI software won't let you say mean things about Biden, but they will let you say mean things about Trump. And, you know, conservatives made a lot of that, not unjustifiably so. I would also like to be able to make uh, AI say mean things about Biden. But um, to the extent that you've discovered that it, there's a similar bias against the people who have designed the software, like Elon Musk, or in favor of the people who designed the software, like Elon Musk, that's obviously equally significant as the uh, pro-liberal anti-Trump bias, it, you know, at least insofar as that it demonstrates a level of hypocrisy. And I think it also underlines this bigger point that I've been trying to make throughout, which is that. None of this is a left. This is not like Republican Democrat stuff. This is people in power who have the ability to design rules in their favor, whether it's our actual laws, whether it's software laws, whether it's censorship paradigms, et cetera. They do so in their favor in whatever way is personally advantageous, including whatever way makes them the most money. And that's what's directing all of this. Oh, you're surprised that Elon Musk, after being a free speech absolutist, says he wants to, you know, bans the Elon Jets account? No. Because <laughs> like, all of this is about people doing what protects them personally. And when you are a relatively powerless person, free speech absolutism is very attractive. And I think there's a reason why many of us here are very supportive of, if not free speech, absolutely isn't something, then something that comes very close and are very protective of the First Amendment. But it's also very easy to understand when that when you become the God King, suddenly your interests shift <laughs> and you just want to be a benevolent dictator. So, like, I, I appreciate you bringing that anecdote um, to the table. Um, and look, I, I would love to continue the conversation with Matt Taibbi, but you guys heard at the end of the episode you know, he, he was very gracious in going over the hour. I was very appreciative of him for doing that. And then he had to go, which is completely legitimate. And I, of course, would never criticize him for that because he was very generous with his time. But, you know, I don't know that I can be faulted for <laughs> for now wanting to continue to pursue this as long as it took. And I would obviously be happy to have him back on to continue this conversation and also to talk about the specifics of the Twitter files disclosures. Yeah, I mean, if that's, if, if that's what goes goes on from here, I mean, I, I haven't I haven't looked into it or read enough about it. I don't even know what Matt Tybee's been reporting on. I, I honestly just have just have enough time to listen to your show and and try and give my input as to kind of what I'm doing in my world, which really isn't on Twitter at all. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, if if you were to like collaborate with another journalists to to report on these twitter files how would you do that would you reach out to them on twitter uh probably reach out to most people <laughs> on twitter <laughs> yeah i mean you know it's kind of like i said i feel like it's a big i mean if i don't know I should go. I really ha I have to write this article, which uh, I could talk about next time. 
Okay. Well, I look forward um, to it, Elle. Thank, thank you as always. I, I, that little uh, chat, chat GPT nugget is going to stay with me. And I, I look forward to hearing more on this. Uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have to re-listen to this episode and uh, have some questions related to the data. Like how do we define left first, right? We didn't, we didn't really talk about that, right? No. <laughs> I mean, um, you did, you did in, in your interview, but I'm saying like, you know. Yeah. I mean, that, we can talk about that, but again, I don't actually think that that's super relevant. I'm not interested in pushing some narrative over whether the left or the right or anything. I just want to know, I want to talk about specific search terms because I want whatever information is true. And it's like a legitimately hard thing to do to design search terms that get at the information that is useful, that is relevant to your area of inquiry, especially when you have no idea what censorship has happened before the documents came to you. And I don't, I don't, I can't make you guys understand why that's important or how much manipulation can happen. Oh no. But yeah. I, like data manipulation. Like I, this should be taught. This should be taught in schools, but it's obviously not like data manipulations everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. And I just when like the, in the early days of the t- discussion about the Twitter files, I, re- I remember um, Matt and some of the others saying, you know, I don't like I, I'm skeptical that there could be manipulation of the data because when I make the request, the request to return to me so quickly. And that struck me as just very. I thought he I'm really I, trying not to use the word naive, <laughs> but it strikes me as like very short sighted because they could have decided a priori a long time ago, long before Twitter, like Elon even ever announced that he was going to make documents available to folks that this is the limited trove of documents that we're even going to get into. Like, and every search is run on documents that have already been censored on a trove that's already been censored. You know, like when, when we're working at these law firms, when he said there was like 80,000 documents, 80,000 documents, that's like a couple months work for me in the daily life of a, of a law of as, as a lawyer, I'm sitting there with my earphones in listening to music, plowing through a thousand docs a day. Like that's life. <laughs> And there's like 10 of us doing that. And maybe we've also hired some contract attorneys to help us do a first pass through. And then once it's a smaller trove of documents, then we go through it again and we use document review tags and we categorize them this way and the other. And then there's another round going through a, a, former, a, a finer tooth comb and escalating docs to uh, more senior associates. And then senior associates come back and they say, well, actually, this wording in this email makes me think we need to do another round of search terms looking for this thing. And then it goes on and on and on. And this stuff goes on for like years <laughs> and it's very complicated. And then we fight about it. Cause they're, we're like, well, this, the, you, you gave me this email and it looks like there's parts of this thread that aren't appearing on our review, which indicates that you've actually censored something. So now we're going to have to go back and have a fight over the document log and what your search terms were. So we can see if you actually should have di- disclosed something more. And this is literally why litigation costs so much money. And what I did, I did management consulting. And so like, I, I, <laughs> I managed to squeeze through four years without having to do any sort of M&A due diligence, because I would do something very similar to what you're describing, which is not, <laughs> you, it sounds like you enjoy it very much, but it's, no, I hated it. It's horrible, <sighs> but it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's not, I just, what I'm trying to say is like, it's not easy. I don't, I mean, don't mean to say, oh, Matt should have known all this and like, da, 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 da. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting that on him. It's like, a, it's like very difficult. And like a lot of people are paid a lot of money to fight over stuff like this for a really long time. 
But that's my point. Like, I just don't want people to be coming to this with any kind of naivete that says, oh, well, you know, the idea, the idea that because the document searches were turned around to you quickly, they could not have been meddled with just strikes me as a little bit of a red flag. I would imagine if I were Elon Musk, I would put one person, at least one person in charge of handling the Twitter file data requests. That's their only job, at least one person. So if I was competent and comfortable with the data that I'm working with, I can anticipate questions. I mean, we don't even know what these queries are, but we know that there's a limited number of queries apparently, but has he even been told there's a limit? Like I have, I'm, I'm with you. Right. I have, I have so many questions. Yeah, that's all I want so to, and, and I, I also really appreciate, I want to give Matt credit also because I appreciate why he doesn't want to come out and say, yeah, I've been told that these are the constraints, right? Because people will use any idea of there being constraints on his process as a way to impugn the integrity of what he's discovered so far okay, at all. But, but like if, if, if you're going to talk, I mean, there's just no transparency here. There's no transparency. At the very least, 80,000 emails. Okay. Was this 90% of the emails within that time frame? Is right. this all of the, the executives? Right. You know, is, is this, you know, how many emails does an executive write on an everyday basis? How about right. on monthly? Does it change with the quarter? Like, oh, I can't. Right. And, and at one point he made reference to a Slack thread as like, encompassing all of the discussion about oh, some Slack? issue. No. And I was don't, like, wait a minute. Don't talk to me about like, Slack. Don't. <laughs> okay, you have a Slack thread, okay? And I'm sure it had a lot of important stuff in it and it should be reported on and that's yeah, relevant, really? right? Nobody, ta- nobody, However, nobody talks about things in person. But, but, but that, that's not even the point I'm trying to make here, actually. My point is that he re- referenced the Slack thread as encompassing. I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but whatever the language he used suggested that it was the entire conversation about X. And I'm like, okay, well, there's the nature of Slack is that there's many threads. There's like conversations break off. People have side threads privately. Da, da, da. So like I, I am completely down with reporting on the Slack thread. What do you mean? But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Al. Wait a minute, Al. <laughs> My frustration is the idea of characterizing that reporting on the th- Slack thread as, re- as having had access to the entire conversation about X. Like, you can report on the Slack there without saying, I saw everything everybody had to say about X. You obviously, like, you cannot make that representation. There's no way that that's true. So just say, I saw one Slack thread that seemed to have a lot of the key players in it that seemed to be a good representation of how people were feeling about it at the time, and this is what it said. You know? And maybe those details don't matter to people, but I think they're No, relevant. it's really important. It's really important. I, I think he used, I, I, this is why I want to go back and listen to fantastic interview absolutely fantastic interview um i think i'm pretty sure in regards to the slack channel he used the e-word i'm pretty sure he used everything mm-hmm. in, in some regards or in, in or another um and 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 the way it was worded if i didn't know better would make it seem like 100 percent of the communications that happens between these people happen on that slack and it's it's just that was i don't know <laughs> Yeah. And look, by the way, I see Sandy saying he's been very clear about the conditions published on Twitter, site Twitter. Well, he listed a whole bunch of other conditions in this call. So by your own admission, he is only talking about certain conditions. Look, and they're not explicit. Like he didn't say Elon told me I only had five more search requests. He did not say that. But he implied it heavily that whether or not Elon said something specific to him or not, he feels as though he could get cut off at any moment. And that's why he's being judicious with the searches, which, again, is not a criticism of 
Matt at all. Except for that, there is a gap between the rep- some of the representations that are being made on Twitter and elsewhere and what he's actually experiencing that I think shade, the, shade our understanding of what we actually do know. And who else, what is it that say? And Maggie's saying, in each drop, he says, this is third party provided. I have no control. That's great. But if you then go into a different context, if you go on a Twitter thread and say, I have, you know, I, you know, the, the overwhelming gist is that it's all a bias against the right. It's bias against the right. And I've seen very little to no bias against the left. That's a fine statement. If you say also in that thread, this is based on having not actually done any searches on bias against the left which I didn't expect him to say, to be honest. Like, that was a revelation to me in the podcast. I thought that was a pretty significant disclosure. You know, that he has made a choice, a completely legitimate choice, to focus on the um, FBI stuff, the, the intelligence agency stuff. And to the extent that he's focused on that, none of the intelligence agency bias seems to have been against the left. Completely legitimate. I have no issue with that. But I was operating under the presumption, I don't know about you guys, but I was operating under the presumption that some, like, searches had been done about some of the basic big stories about bias against the Bernie campaign and leftists. And there, is, um, there was that guy whose house was raided by the FBI last summer from the African Socialist Organization. And, you know, big stuff like that, Free Mumia, whatever it is, that you would maybe do a little, a few of those kinds of searches as well. And to the extent that that has not happened, that's of interest to me. Maybe it's not of interest to you. And when you interview Matt Taibbi, you can ask him of things that are of interest to you. You know, <laughs> I mean, at the very least, I could have some questions for him, which I probably will if I distract myself enough. Because um, we all fight the distraction game, right? <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. Folks in the chat say I should leave. So I should no, leave. No, I really appreciated you. Um, thank you, L. Thanks, Bree. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. All right. Amanda, what is on your mind tonight? Hey, Brie. Um, Hello. What are you up to? What are you thinking about? So um, I'm kind of in the Gary camp, but not wanting to really be there. So <laughs> Why not? You're, you're allowed about, to be in Camp Gary. So, so I was thinking about what is it really that because I think part of what it was for me was I wanted to hear more about the content and less about the process. But that's my personal choice. And as you just said, I can ask Matt Taibbi when I get a chance to interview him a couple of years from now when I get on his wait list to do that. <laughs> or, you know, right? I think there's just a lot of there have been not as many as there should be in the mainstream, but certainly from people like. Aaron and Max and no, no, you know, I'm others. not saying there haven't been those stories. I think I was just looking forward to hearing it with you as part of the conversation was part of what part of it. And then thinking it through even further and listening to you talk about it with the people who really liked the episode. What I was hearing was, I think that what I wanted was an interview and what happened was a critique. And not that a critique is a bad thing to do. You're quite good at it, frankly. But but I think what I was looking for was more of a of a of an interview that you might consider kind of more of a let's just amplify the stuff that people already know. And that's just well, my. I don't know. Do you think it's useful to use a premium episode that has a limited audience 
to amplify stuff everybody knows, especially when there's been such good interviews done by people like Max and Aaron who have more access, frankly, to Matt Taibbi? So that is a fair point. And I also want to make clear that this is just my own preference. I'm sure there's it, clearly there are people who appreciated the approach you took and do think that that's an important the important points that you brought up during the conversation were are important and i'm not saying they're not i'm just saying that's that this is my own little the mm-hmm. world revolves around me for 2 seconds and i want to tell you <laughs> this is how i felt about this episode fair enough but i i really appreciate what you do and and having this call in allowed me to even think further about what it was so that it's easier for me to recognize what i'm because I, I'm not a I'm critiquing somebody to their face. That takes more cojones than I really want to have, frankly. And 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 critiques to me are are to the faces. That's a that's a strong thing. I couldn't do it. <laughs> so, well, I don't know. I guess I would also push back against this dividing line between critique and interview. I mean, an interview is asking questions and I have questions about how the document review and search process is being implemented in a way that gives them such confidence about claims about what, ha- who hasn't and hasn't been targeted. Right. And to the extent that, it, that any of these interviews become adversarial, it's usually because I feel like the answers aren't necessarily as responsive as I would like them to be, which requires a follow-up question or to ask the question again until there's more of a disclosure. Totally, but, totally you know, fair. Totally fair. And I think know. that he's in a sensitive position because he's trying to not get Barry Weiss canceled. Absolutely. Know? So, so those are difficult. I, I appreciate the work that you do. And it gives me more of a chance to think through why I come to the conclusions that I do. And I like having an open mind and, you you give lots of content to put into my open mind that helps me think. So, well, I appreciate you saying that, and I appreciate you being here and being um, such a p- important part of these rich conversations, Amanda. It's always nice to see you in the chat. Have a really great night. You too. Keep the faith. I want to call on that turtle. Where did that turtle go? Oh yeah, turtle! Exclamation points. You're up. <laughs> What's on your mind tonight? Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh, yeah. Um, that's the first time I'm calling. So, yeah, it's nice to talk to you. Um, yeah, I've been. Um, I've listened only to like the uh, the part on YouTube of your interview with Matt, mm-hmm. um, and I thought that like um, most of like your questions were kind of legitimate, to be honest. Like, um, I don't know. I felt that, like, he was just not used to, like, have a lot of pushback. Like, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah. But outside of, like, the just for outing myself, like, I don't really care about censorship against the right. So maybe that's, like, uh, you know, my oh, feelings. Turtle. turtle, you just uh, <laughs> lost all your credibility with this audience. <laughs> I know, I know, but like, <laughs> it's just that, like, um, 
I mean, first of all, like, you know, the entire, like, discourse about the Twitter file, like, seemed very, like, kind of terminal online to me. Mm. Like, um, you know, the, the sort of thing about that is that, so, <laughs> to, so I'm French, mm-hmm. <laughs> full disclosure. So, um, the way that I saw the like, sort of online discourse and the way that it evolved specifically with the right is that it's it's a lot of whining about, about like you know the fact that they're censored when I felt that they were just so like pushed on people by like algorithm mainly because it's divisive content kind of. Wait, so, so be, be specific, was... because the, the Twitter file censorship, I mean, we're talking about very specific things. We're talking about the choice to um, label as misinformation or uh, suppress um, certain kind of COVID information that was later discovered to be not wrong or validated in some ways by science. We're talking about the COVID, sorry, the Hunter Biden laptop story, which was temporarily censored from Twitter altogether at a crucial juncture ahead of the election. You know, these aren't just, these aren't just, Oh, the algorithm doesn't favor me or even claims that I've been, you know, that a person has been um, shadow banned, which are difficult to prove, but like very specific that the Twitter files emails revealed very specifically that decisions were made to suppress this information. Even when at times there was an admission internally that it didn't actually violate uh, Twitter's terms. Yeah, for sure. But I think that like the main problem is kind of like a problem of outreach. Like the fact is like a lot of people just don't care about the Twitter files because it is kind of, you know, it's like the Hunter Biden laptop story. I did not like pay a lot of attention to it because it was just like merged with a lot of like not very much legitimate criticism of Biden, like a lot of stuff that was just like sex shaming, like Hunter Biden, like talking about drugs and the woman and all of that. And that was like a, a part of the conversation, not like, like I, I would say somewhat important was based on that and not just on the corruption, which I think was the legitimate criticism of what you have, what was found in this laptop. And the fact is that the right have just decided to insist on like, having the most raunchy type of discourse around that issue just like made them lose a lot of credibility around like a lot of people. Um, so I think that's so, probably true. I think a lot of liberals, it looked, AOC said the other day, what, like, Oh, the half, the half true Hunter, Hunter Biden story when it was, you know, it's all true. <laughs> like no one's making an allegation that it wasn't his laptop or the files on it are inaccurate or the videos aren't really of him or anything like that. It's true. The question is what parts of it are relevant and kind of worth talking about or what parts should affect one's willingness to vote for Joe Biden. And I think yeah, I, like- I completely agree with you that some of the more like personal spicy, you know, drug addiction parts were overemphasized by some folks on the right. However, it became, I would argue, a much bigger story and a real and significant story and precisely because of the censorship. Liberals completely, it's well within their rights to argue that it's inappropriate to use 
a president's child's or offsprings, it's no child, obviously, but a president's offspring addictions is, offspring's addiction issue as a, as a cudgel in a presidential race. And they had every right to make that argument. What they didn't have a right to do is to censor a true story from the Internet because it was politically inconvenient. And now that becomes a much bigger story because where else are they doing that? Who else is involved in those kind of actions? They've dug into the Twitter files and Matt has discovered and others have discovered that the intelligence agencies are much more involved and inappropriately so than most of the public would have imagined. And you don't think that that's relevant? I think it's relevant in some way. Um, but I think like at the end of the day now, like the information about like the Hunter Biden laptop story are basically all out. And I feel like not a lot of people care outside of a very specific cohort in the right. Uh, and I think but that, why don't like, you care? Like, about... But my friend, <laughs> Turtle, the whole point, and this is some of the earlier callers, Gary, et cetera, like they're right that it's a problem that people, especially folks on the left, don't care. This is a basic civil liberties issue. This kind of weaponized media can be easily used against the left or whatever, or however you identify, whatever you align with. So can you interrogate for a second, putting aside the bad faith attacks of Joe, uh, Hunter Biden as an addict and all of that, because nobody here is into that either. You and I agree that that's not really relevant. So putting that to the side, why don't you care about the more substantive issues of intelligence agencies using social media companies, threatening and pressuring, pressuring social media companies to enact their political agenda? It's not that I don't entirely care. The part that I don't really care about is the whining about like the fact that the right is like canceled. Like this is the part that like I just like I'm tired of hearing that shit. Like, um, the whole thing about the libs of TikTok, for example, like being like censored in some way or shadow banned or stuff like that, like just like felt personally like offensive to me because v this type of content specifically was pushed so much and have so much like real consequences in the real world right now. Like the sort of, uh, you know, the prevalence of the anti-trans discourse, for example, that is so important for me is kind of based on like the fact that like, at one point, uh, this sort of algorithm, which is not, uh, you know, um, which does not come from God. Like it's, it's something that I have like, um, a mind in the sense that like it, it's trying to have an out to make an outcome. And the fact that at one point, um, and I like, it's maybe like just, you know, my personal experience, but I, I felt that at one point in time, maybe like around like 2016 and all of that, uh, the sort of, you had a sort of merger in between like the sort of far right cohort that like existed on YouTube, for example, and the left wing, uh, part and the fact that like they were always collided together in the sense that like that was really toxic, which Wait, well, you, so know, you have to be specific. You're just making a claim that the far left and the far right are the same on YouTube. What are you talking about? No, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that like a lot of far right content were pushed onto people that were ostensibly left and vice versa because they knew that like those content were be would be divisive to the to this audience so the fact is that at one point for example a lot of like lgbtq and like queer uh person on youtube like got massive harassment um by like right-wing people specifically because they were pushed um because I think that their content were pushed on people that were uh, tending to be more conservative. And I think that also a lot of like, and I, I personally experienced that like um, j just even recently, like during the presidential election in my country, 
like the fact is that uh, you know um, I don't know if you followed a little bit like the politics in France, but like um, in the last presidential election, you had basically this sort of guy that like uh, is basically kind of like a merger in between like Tucker Carlson and um, Candace Owens. Like he's mm. a white supremacist, basically. Like his entire like his entire program was just to make ethnic cleansing to say that like black people and Arab people are like basically the responsible and Muslims are responsible for like every single bad thing that happened to France, like since basically like the creation of a country until now and like to the future. Mm-hmm. And like, we need to get rid of them. And what I saw specifically that that man campaign was totally like a media creation. Like at one point I felt that like he was so much pushed onto me, even though I made pretty clear to all of the social media that I'm using that I don't want to see that shit. And they were still like pushed onto me. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that and not, I, so are you saying that your concern are more, is more with the algorithms than the kind of like people driven choices to censor information or people? I think that like the the main thing is that I'm somewhat concerned with the algorithm to be honest with you, and I think that like some part of the censoring is just basically to kind of um, repair. Maybe it's not like the right word, but like uh, what was made out of the sort of um, automatic decision that the algorithm made. So the fact is that. Um, when so much like far right content was just pushed on on like YouTube specifically, uh, it it was bound to post to to be a problem because like I think that's, it was normal for example that advertiser just didn't want their like product to be advertised in front of a Nazi video, and the fact is that when they decided to like yeah so address that's, that, I think they, that's that's one category of stuff like advertisers pulling their stuff leaving Twitter because I don't want to be next to a Nazi video or Twitter designing its policies to forbid content that is going to drive away advertisers. I don't think that that's censorship. And I have, I have argued with folks on the Hill and elsewhere that again, and I've said, I said it earlier in this show that so many decisions are just being made by based on the bottom line about what's going to be profitable to these companies. And that's why I really resist the framing of, Oh, this is against the right or whatever. Like, no, I, I think a lot of these decisions are just because people want to make money and advertisers don't want their ad running next to a swastika. Okay. That being yeah. said, I agree with you to some some extent that the majority of content moderation decisions are being made by algorithms. Matt raised this point on the podcast. He said like 90% or something like that. Don't quote me exactly. But like the overwhelming majority of the content moderation decisions are being made by an algorithm. So I, so I asked him and I'd be interested to know more about those algorithmic designs, what conversations were happening around what the algorithm was doing. I'd love to read emails that might talk about the admission, as we know about from YouTube, that there's a desire to push more controversial content because ultimately that's having a much bigger impact on what is getting, if not censored, then like downvoted and sublimated on these apps than Yoel Roth looking at, you know, Donald Trump and saying he can't be on the app anymore. Like that is, that is a one-off thing that happens to a president and is much less significant than the millions of algorithmic decisions that are being made every day. So I agree with you, but I also don't think that those are mutually exclusive. And I think that you can care about both of those things at the same time. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, I will admit that you can care about both of us as a thing at the same time. The main problem is that, that a lot of the discourse is driven by the right on like this sort of like, you know, uh, terrifies like a Hunter Biden laptop story and all of that. And the fact is that like, it's just very much complicated to actually have a sort of like more neutral vision of like, what are the sort of, what are the important stuff and not what is like sort of like culture war um things just to whine about the fact that they're not like i don't know that they don't have a key to a castle and that we cannot say like anything at any time um that's that's the main part of this entire discourse but i just well, look, like, Tur- Turtle, i would say to you 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 i gotta tell you there's you're gonna lose credibility if you characterize people's concerns here as you can't say anything at any time I, be, I agree with you that there are some conservatives who have historically made these arguments about, oh, I'm getting canceled. I just did a radar last week about some kid at Princeton who's mad because he got, got some pushback in class. That totally happens. But when we're talking about the Twitter files, the thing that's so interesting and compelling and relevant about the Twitter files is that we're getting really specific information that are being made at very high levels in a very powerful company about specific issue areas and people who are not allowed to talk about things on the app. So this isn't, oh, my fifis are hurt because and no one in my sociology class agrees with me that black people are apes. <laughs> no, this is, this is real world. The president of the United States is being taken off Twitter. And even the people internally at Twitter weren't really in agreement that he had actually violated the company's policy. Like, that's what we're talking about here. So it's pretty specific and pretty legitimate. Yeah, it's pretty specific, but, like, the Trump situation is also, like, so specific. Like, it never will happen to someone again. Like, I don't know who will, like, cause, like, uh, you know, uh, an uprise that, like, will result in, like, a riot in, in the capital of the United States, like, ever again. Like, like the, Well, how the, can you say that? Donald Trump is literally running again. And it's very likely that the same kind of issues will come up. Moreover, Hillary Clinton got on Twitter and cried for months about how the election was rigged and stolen and people were openly plotting on Twitter about, well, does she actually have to step down? And is there a way we can challenge the election results? All of that happened on Twitter and nobody was banned, including Hillary Clinton. This has happened twice now in the last two election cycles. So how can you confidently say that the issue of what you're allowed to say on Twitter as a principal, as as a candidate – or as a supporter, is a non-issue that only happened because Trump was a crazy guy this one time. Yeah, no, I, I think that like the, the way that Trump did it like was just substantively different than the way that Clinton Why? did it. I think that like I think that like for her it was just like a lot of whining about the fact that like she lost an election that she should have won, but she never like called for people to like just steal the election. Or at least it's like for example the, like the national like divorced uh, thing that uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene like. Was, was talking about and I heard you like talked about um, like I, I saw like liberals like have the sort of same opinion about the fact that like we should like create like the United States of Canada mm-hmm. with like you know the, the coast should like secede from like the south and like uh, you mm-hmm. know the red states like that happened that exists like on some cohort of like liberal Twitter but like you don't have any elected official that like t- are saying that like you know, so I don't think like exactly the same thing when like have those like people that are, are kind of insane, that are like elected official uh, in comparison to like just some people 
on Twitter that are just complaining so look, about something. It's not just some people. It's Hillary Clinton herself and some of her senior advisors and people in CAP and Mira Tan and all of those types of people and some significant journalists. However, look, there are obviously differences. There wasn't a mob of people at the Capitol that were being directed by the president, by president, by by Clinton to do X, Y, and Z. There weren't. We don't have Hillary Clinton on a phone call talking to you know, uh, someone on the board of the elect of electors in a swing state or a close state arguing with them that they should just fudge the numbers so that she could win. Obviously those are meaningful differences, but that wasn't what was on the table. The, 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 um, Rothensberger issue wasn't what was on the table when Twitter was making these, uh, decisions about whether to ban Donald Trump. And I would argue that the kind of conversations that people were having about Hillary Clinton, short of what Donald Trump himself was, was saying, are very similar to what people were saying these days about Donald Trump. So, so Rising, my show, Rising, got mm-hmm. banned, got taken down off the internet for at least a week. It might have been two weeks. I forget now. But was completely, this is before I was there, was completely taken off of the internet. Bam, no more Rising. An entire mm-hmm. news program Staff full of journalists, staffs full of producers, all of those people, black, dead for a week because it played a video of Donald Trump giving a speech. And in that speech, Donald Trump had like a one-off line about election denialism. Oh, it was stolen. And then goes on to talk about whatever the, re- you know, the substance of the speech was, which is why we were playing it. Is that relevant? And can we ever imagine yeah, a no, world for, where, for sure, where right. because Hillary Clinton it w- does one of those smug media tours uh, on, you know, Good Morning America talking about, yeah, well, I really should have been president. Do we ha- do we imagine that she, that that a new like the MSNBC would have to or, or Good Morning America would have to take down would, they would kill their entire website for a week because they have Hillary Clinton on saying something about how she really should have won in 2016? Yeah, but like I think like the difference in between like say, her saying like she conceded the next day like uh, there is a difference between and I think you agree with that like in between her just uh, saying she should have won in 2016 and I think that like even with a sort of like quote unquote election denialism like I, I've I'm hearing a lot of like I mean I'm I'm younger than that so I I don't know but, like if, from what I heard like a lot of people consider that like the 2000 election in the U.S. was stolen mm-hmm. which uh, the case that I saw of that was m- way more compelling just say it like that mm-hmm. but the one that trump is making about like how uh, his election was stolen mm-hmm. so i don't think that like the fact of saying like this election was stolen is the problem like yeah but I, it I, is I mean, that's that's what we're trying to get at turtle that the policies the, the way that they're doing it now is that saying if the election is stolen you're banned like your your people are being censored and banned for saying that and the point that some leftists have made is that do we really want to get into that space? Because what happens if we're talking about 2000? What happens if we're talking about what happened to Bernie in 2016? That's exactly the concern, that these rules yeah, are not being finely that- enough designed to prevent people from expressing themselves in ways that we feel to be legitimate. Yeah, but like the sort of like censorship of like the discourse around like the 2020 election have already happened and haven't really, to my understanding, I don't know. Uh, haven't really touched, for example, the discourse on like the 2000 election being stolen or the 2016 election being like uh, should have went for Hillary or something. So yeah, I, I think that like there are just differences, and I think that like the way at least that it's implemented now like recognize those differences. I'm not saying that like the but way they that don't. it's implemented now <laughs> is perfect. That, like, 
that's the issue that those differences are not are not being recognized that's the issue I, look let me ask you this turtle you think of some random republican person let's say i'm just a regular republican pharmacist in illinois and i tweet god you know trump trump the election was stolen from trump he really should have won and then I, Brianna Joy Gray, a random podcaster in D.C., tweet, God, Bernie should have won in 2020. The election was rigged. You, you're confident that we're both going to be treated the same way on the, on the Internet? How are you designing that policy? About Do you think that, that, that the pharmacist should be banned from Twitter? No. Do you think I should that, be banned like, from Twitter? Neither. Uh, the problem is I, I that we live in a world, or we did it at one point in – you know, history, things are changing obviously now, but we did at one point in on Twitter live in a world where people were treated very differently in one circumstance or another versus the other. And, you know, it's, I'm not saying it's this constant moderation stuff is easy or good, but we got into a place where people were saying things that were, I would argue, not threatening to the republic or democracy and that we're you know they could be wrong things but there's no crime against saying wrong things on twitter yeah but i i don't think that there is a problem for example to say that like trump should have won the 2020 election like i don't think that like it's it's a problem the problem is saying that, like, <sighs> all right okay well we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna agree on this turtle um but i appreciate you calling in and this has been an, an interesting um Okay. But like, yeah, I, I, I appreciate it. It's just that, you know, this is why it matters. Like this is the whole point of the Twitter files that they are making decisions that are not neutral in any way. And that aren't even in accord with their own internally promulgated standards. You have people in the Twitter files at Twitter saying, okay, but did Trump actually even violate the policy? And they say, no, never mind. We got to ban this anyway because of all of the pressure they were getting from the intelligence agencies. So the decision isn't being made in any neutral way. It's because literally the CIA and the FBI have harangued Twitter so much about Russian misinformation and all of this crap that they feel like there's no alternative but to ban people at the behest of basically the deep state. And, you know, look, if that's of no concern to you, then que sera sera. But um, <laughs> we have some um, we, we have some concerns about it on this side of the pond. But, like, I hope you do call again, especially if maybe we talk about some um, Europolitics Euro soon, Turtle, okay? Okay. Yeah, thanks for having me, and, like, uh, see you another time. Bye. All right. Take, take care. Keep the faith. Jonathan, what is on your mind tonight? Uh, well, uh, I mean, I remember back on that uh, Sirota call in months ago. Like, it had to be, like, around the Christmas holidays or something. You were on that one. And, you know, like, I, I'm i a big supporter of Matt Taibbi and his work. I'm a Substack mm-hmm. subscriber. I'm definitely in favor of the Twitter files. All the same caveats you made. But these questions needed to be asked. Like, they needed to be asked. They were asked early on. And, you know, there are epistemic problems and there are chain of custody problems. Mm-hmm. And these things have been raised from the beginning, and they even were raised by the Twitter files people themselves. Between the first and second drop, they realized, uh, you know, v- Vijaya Gad's uh, deputy, former mm-hmm. FBI lawyer, uh, Jim Baker, was still working there and was mm-hmm. deleting files. Mm-hmm. All right, so who knows what files or how many. You know, they were doing the, the equivalent of, uh, of document shredding at that point. 
And, you know, he's he's had, you know, and he was a little touchy back then, but again, he's been dealing with this for three months. And I was just extraordinarily uh, disappointed by his, his kind of uh, flippant dismissal, uh, his refusal to address the point uh, in a lot of cases, you know, these, these very valid, uh, you know, issues. Um, and, you know, also I was, I was kind of upset by his, his flippant dismissal of uh, these, the issue of uh, directionality against the left, because like we have all seen and experienced a lot of this stuff firsthand. Like we know it's there. You can't gaslight us out of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's having studied, you know, propaganda, media, psychology, uh, all of that stuff. Uh, the You know, it's in particular, that is an extraordinarily insidious uh, form of, of suppression of speech. And he tends to be focused with this kind of tunnel vision on uh, specifically the banning and, you know, the kinds of things that they were doing there. But these these more subtle methods are actually more insidious. And those mm-hmm. things are connected to, uh, you know, what federal agencies have been doing for, you know, well, since long before social media existed. And I think that callback you made to the Christian Parenti episode was also important. Like a lot of these institutions that he's talking about were built and designed uh, to largely to persecute the left, not the right, mm-hmm. and including these NGOs. These are front groups, and that goes all the way back to, you know, the Bureau of Investigation days around uh, World War One, And before that, you know, the, the, the first real Red Scare was in 1871, okay? And back then it was all done by Pinkertons and the private sector. Uh, and those things were adapted into the FBI, the use of front groups to get around constitutional protections um, and extraordinarily heavy handed and often violent repression uh, of the left. And mm-hmm. this sort of thing, like his just flippant dismissal, he's not even going to look into it or ask any follow up questions. I found to be, especially after he basically told me he was going to in that mm-hmm. call in, mm-hmm. uh, I found to be extraordinarily frustrating. And even more frustrating was some of the kind of touchy responses, equally touchy to, you know, even more touchy than Matt was in those, in those replies. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I, mm-hmm. I have definitely made my opinion known in those replies. Uh, but you can, you can see it's still, still a bit of a contentious issue, but like, I, you know, I wanted, like, I, I know, like I come across sometimes like a yes man, but I'm not a yes man. Like I, like for whatever reason we, like we tend to, you see what I see That's part of what drew me to your work in the first place. And you're, you're extraordinarily good at it. And there's very few other people who could have done it and you did it very politely and I was, I don't know, like I, like I said, I, it's, I'm not certainly mad enough to cancel my Substack subscription or anything or stop supporting the, his work on the Twitter files, mm-hmm, but he needs to address this stuff and he needs to sit and think about it for a while, I, I think. Yeah, look, I am also a Matt Taibbi Substack subscriber. I'm not kidding when I say that Useful Idiots is my favorite podcast. I... 
like I I don't know like I feel like I'm being a dead horse with saying all of the ways that I think that the Twitter files is deeply relevant. I'm glad the turtle called in because I saw someone in the comments like now she gets it. It's like no person. You always get like, it. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, you need to understand that liking believing in the value of the Twitter files and being able to argue with someone who doesn't value it is not mutually exclusive to thinking that there are process issues with the Twitter files and that some of the claims that are being made cannot possibly be made when you only have access to a sliver of the archive. Like, I, like it makes me insane. It's like a, the logical <laughs> the logical inability to grasp these two concepts at the same time is making me literally about to, like, turn into a fucking poof of smoke <laughs> because I'm so frustrated by that. But, look, I... <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. If you value the Twitter files, it should be more important to you to shore these things up. Exactly. And to to have at least good answers, or like you said, good very specific hedges. Like I don't have enough information to know this. This is where the gaps in the information are. But you know the uh, the the notion that no, I'm not going to follow up on any of that. No, I'm not, I'm going to keep making these pronouncements without addressing these issues like that's you know that's certainly not good for the credibility of the twitter files uh and the work that's being done and the important work that's being done more broadly and more importantly uh treating this stuff like it exists in a vacuum like it's a singular thing uh which it is not okay this is again there's a long history even before social media existed of federal agencies and you know, deep state type actors doing this as an end run around constitutional protections, which uh, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves, are you know, kind of an illusion. If you're in the crosshairs of the wrong people, I think a lot of homeowners in the 2008 crisis mm-hmm. within our lifetimes found that out. You don't have any of those constitutional protections. Your fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh amendment rights gone. Yeah, I, You're in the I crosshairs too, of the wrong people. Yeah. yeah I too is a little like it's it's difficult for me to make to like I don't have access to the Twitter files. So I obviously can't make an affirmative case for what he isn't covering. It's I can't prove a negative, right? People were saying you're asking you're asking Matt to prove a negative. No, I'm in the position of having to prove the negative because all I'm asking for is all I can talk about is the search terms because I don't actually know what's there and maybe there's nothing there. Truly, maybe there is. My only point is that we can't make claims about what is or isn't there if we haven't even looked. But I think it's interesting to kind of have a sort of soft confidence that there isn't going to be much to find when we know what we know about what the focus of these intelligence agencies have been since the dawn of these intelligence agencies. And I understand and really do take Matt's point that right now the right is more powerful and more of a threat, and so there's a more focus on the right. But that has not been the case at all times in the last like seven years. And in fact, we saw some wild stuff happening with Bernie Sanders precisely because of the threat that he presented. So a choice to focus on like 20, you know, non, non, you know, um, relevant time periods for, you know, the political left, the Bernie left, that's a choice, you know, and it's an interesting one given the representations that have been made about, how he hasn't seen much in the way of left critique. And it's also interesting in light of the fact that, again, 85% of all of the counterintelligence that these you know, people have done has been focused on being against the left and undermining the left. So like maybe overnight they just decided to stop doing all of that. 
But that just yeah, seems I mean, like, like, I deeply think, implausible to me. I think that's well. I think that's critical, and I think that's one of those things that that uh, that came up in the in the Parenti interview that is important. Like even when, as Matt pointed out, you know, the left is fragmented, largely insignificant, which also, by the way, has historical precedent. You know, around the the fifties and the sixties when all the COINTELPRO stuff was going on. Um, you know, it's uh, it, after World War II, that sort of thing. Like, the the left right now is barely a blip on the radar. Like, we've kind of fell apart like fat in the pan after the Bernie campaign ended. Mm. And still, but I mean, even during the Bernie campaign, like, you saw a broad coalition, but, you know, still, like, you, like they mustered uh, a level of coordination and resources that I have never, ever seen mustered mm-hmm. against the right even right after charlottesville when everybody was in a panic mm-hmm. about you know the resurgent right wing you never saw the mobilization of you know private and public sector resources uh you know these uh, all these politicians getting together all these media figures getting together mm-hmm. and deciding that we are going to coordinate this effort biden is the guy crush mm-hmm. bernie Mm-hmm. That's the directive of the day. Like you do, like the disproportionality, uh, even when it's a smaller fragment of the whole. Like you know, it's maybe instead of use you know devoting like eighty five percent of their resources, they're devoting fifty percent. But the left is like twenty percent, and you know, or less. And you know, that is like that's kind of the order of the day and the notion that you can just ignore that and focus exclusively on this thing like a lot of what Matt was saying kind of had the the air of this confirms my priors so I'm not going to question it and that's that's a problem for what he's trying to do in the broader project and yeah, like I, mean, I said the, I I think he needs to sit and think with that I think the look the, the maybe better faith way of putting that is that you know what he said was that you know, after doing a more broad kind of look around, there he he saw the evidence of the intelligence agency's influence, and once he saw that, he chose to focus on it. One because it's important, and I agree, but also because given that there were limited bites of the apple, he didn't want to waste shots in the dark. I think that's like important, <laughs> like. Those two facts together, one, the completely legitimate, you know, the, the choice the choice to dig deeper into the FBI stuff is is legitimate on its face. It's just substantive and important and is, a, is an important area of inquiry and a legitimate priority on its face. Then the question becomes, do, is it mutually exclude? Like, does, does, if you agree that that's important, well, then can't you also run searches for other stuff at the same time? And the only reason that you wouldn't expect there to still be some broad brush being painted is if you thought that you only had limited search opportunities. Which also, So once he says that, like that justifies, like, I completely understand the mindset. I completely understand the logic of that decision. I don't have a critique of the logic of that decision. However, Matt saying, I am investigating the intelligence agency's influence on Twitter because I only have limited resources and I don't have time or ability to look at other things is a very different narrative from, and people are said that you weren't specific about how he editorialized about this. I was very specific in my radar and I didn't want to rehash that, but you can go and listen. I lay out all of the tweets that he was doing around the time of the Chrissy Teigen hearing where 
he was making these broader claims about how all the focus was about the right, the disproportionate focus. I don't want to put words in his mouth. The disproportionate focus was against the right and that there was almost no evidence of any attacks against the left. And I contrasted that editorializing with his statement from the first Twitter files, which is that there was the overwhelming stuff was against the right. He acknowledged in that first Twitter files thread that there uh, he had evidence that Trump had made some document requests, but he was not privy to them. We talked about this on the show. I now We now know that it wasn't from the Twitter files that he learned about that, but from other sources. So just really put yourself in this mindset. You are reporting on the government trying, the government agencies influencing media. The, the thrust of this influence is coming from liberals against Donald Trump. You are made aware by a source that there is some cache of information. You know, we don't know how big or some small, but some cache of information that indicates that it's not just liberals against Trump, but that it was also Trump against liberals. How much? How little? We don't know, but we know it exists. But there is no further interrog- interrogation of that. Instead, there's just more reporting about how the gist is Trump liberals against Trump. And then when documents come out that actually speak get more specifics into the nature of the Trump request, i.e. the Chrissy Teigen, you say, oh, well, I did mention that you can't be bad and be about it. It's like, well, that's almost worse. You knew that there was a there there, didn't seem to really investigate it or try to get to the bottom of it or unpack it at all, spent a lot of time unpacking the stuff that was liberals against Trump, as you should have, but at the same time represented that that was an accurate representation of the directionality of these attacks. When you knew from your own source outside of the Twitter files that there was something else there. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's almost yes. worse. <laughs> I agree. And like, like I said, that, that's what I mean by, like, it has the feel of confirming priors. You know, a narr- it fits a narrative, I guess. And then, like, I maybe not even necessarily deliberately just ignoring or dismissing or poo-pooing uh, not asking the questions of things that, that kind of don't, you know, because he, he prioritizes it as less important, I guess. I don't know. But it's like, I don't know. Like, it I, it feels like it it's sort of, in a way, like, if he fixed this problem and was a little more careful in his phrasing and a little less cavalier about the narrative driven thing yeah, that's that he's it. been doing. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. Like There'd it, be no it problem. would shore up the credibility of what his project is. Exactly. And that's yeah. Exactly. That well, it I helps guess. the Twitter files. It helps this is what was making me crazy also. It's like I'm interested like some of the some people who just hate him and hate the Twitter files are never gonna listen. That's obviously true. So fuck them. But there's this yeah. other there's this other way that it's like the, the part that's making, I think, a lot of liberals not want to pay attention is the way it's being used by conservatives to push this narrative about how, like, everyone's out to get us and we're victims, right? Some of that is true. Some of it isn't. And it is true that the establishment hits at the fringe and they do victimize them. That is completely true, including the left, by the way, which doesn't get, doesn't get to be a part of the story, but fine. But including the left. But if you – I'm just I'm – just, I'm just beating a dead horse. Everybody knows what I'm saying. Yeah, well, I'm, like I said, I like I, I swear I'm not a yes man, but like it just obviously we see eye to eye on this. Yeah, like if if you understand, like if you understand that there's a part of the liberal media that just doesn't want to give any 
oxygen to the idea that like Trump or conservatives are uniquely being victimized in this moment. Like that's annoying and they should cover a story no matter what. But if you just stop framing it in the least attractive way for them, I think it's better for the story. If you frame it as like it's the establishment against the non-establishment. If you frame it as, you know, I wish I actually knew more about what Trump was up to. Do you want to help me get more access to files? If you're a source, come forward. Let's report on it. But like, I don't know, like it's almost feels like it's, you know, it's like that information is not as relevant. I don't know. Like, do we care about powerful people in government organizations and principles like the president wielding their power to censor little guys or do we not? Or do we only care if it's against Trump or against conservatives? Because it starts to feel that way. If you don't have the same appetite for, and I'm not saying this about Matt, but like if one abstractly doesn't have the same appetite for investigating it when Trump is doing it, then you start to kind of understand why some liberals don't take this whole inquiry in good faith. And I don't want that. Yeah. It's, it's important reporting. It should be covered. And, and it would be much more impervious to dismiss it. Yeah. Like, go ahead. It would be, yeah, it would be much more impervious to their criticisms and, you know, some of the more conspiratorial ones about Elon Musk if those vulnerabilities were, were shored up. And, you know, the, the fact of the matter is uh, those things are connected and they are important. And these are the tools that, uh, you know, I guess uh, if you want to call them the deep state or the capital order or whatever, Mm. have been using to repress, marginalize, uh, harm, uh, you know, the the populist movements and particularly the left uh, for, you know, over, you know, like a century and a half. So yes, it's a it's a critically important story, and that makes it even more critically important that it be gotten right, and that these things be tidied up and sh- and fortified against bad faith criticisms by, you know, if not in the liberal like world, there's I guess there's uh, they've got their own version of uh, fellow travelers and useful idiots, but a lot of people that may be making criticisms in their from their perspective in good faith are basically still. Uh, you know, kind of um, dupes of of that sort of thing, and it's it's important to shore those things up against any bad faith, uh, you know, or or good faith criticisms they might make, and be able to address them. Yeah. And I, I don't think like he's been doing a press junket. I've been watching all those interviews. It's fascinating stuff. But again, I think you were also right to uh, you know kind of take a take the bullet. And, and be like, okay, I'm the friend that's going to ask you these questions because everybody else is, again, like, you know, picking his brain on the details of these Twitter files. And you can hear basically the same interview over and over again when he's going on these little junkets. And, you know, I, I respectfully, you know, I, ordinarily I hate to argue with Amanda, but respectfully I have to disagree. Uh, one of the big selling points of this is that it's very original content and I don't want the same thing as you get on every other show and I never get the same thing as you get on every other show that's why it's worth paying the five dollars a month <laughs> look I appreciate just you saying. saying that it's it's tough you know there there are times when it's like you know that everyone does you know everyone does this if I'm interviewing Thomas Frank it's because Thomas Frank woke up one day and said I'm gonna respond to all of my email requests in one week and then he'll be on everybody else's show and it's you know it's incumbent on you to 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 give 
the listener the reason to listen to my Thomas Franken interview and not, you know, Kate. I mean, like, you listen to both. You should listen to my name, Katie's. But you know what I mean? Like, to give people a reason to listen to someone who we've heard from before say a bunch of stuff that he just said on a bunch of other people's podcasts earlier that week. So, yeah. you know, in the, in this case, like, I, I, I'm really trying to give my flowers. Like, I'm really trying to give flowers to some of the very good interviews. Like, I really enjoyed his interview with Max and Aaron in particular. And I and sometimes I listen to interviews and prep for a show, and I think, well, this is good. I'm going to get some of that same information out. Like when I'm talking to um, Clara, um, you know, she's not someone who's been all over the left. She's not someone who's, like, oversaturated. So I'm like, no, just tell me about your book. Let's get the basics on your argument about fascism out on the table. But if I'm – and, I'm like, I'm largely wanting to recreate what I heard in her, on her macro and cheese interview. But Matt is different. You know, Matt has his own platforms. Matt is not someone who we, like, are struggling to – I mean, he's a reporter. He's putting stuff out there all the time. That's the whole point. So, I, you know, I made a different kind of strategic choice. I respect that people feel differently about it. It's a free country for now. And, you know, I appreciate you as always, Jonathan. Yeah, well, I got to gotta say, if you uh, want to hear more from Clara, we're doing a, a, a Real Progressives uh, book club on the Capitol Order uh, in early April, I guess, is when she gets back in the country. And says she wants to do it, but she will be like live on on Zoom, you know, doing Q and A's on it, and we'll probably try and get a couple of other guests for for other weeks. But I think we can make a meal out of that for at least a good month. Oh, very very nice. Uh, you'll have to let us know, remind us about it when we're a little bit closer to go time. I will. We're excited that she's she's able to do it because. Uh, I guess she is getting a little more popular now. Yeah, she is actually. But you know, you you get my point. There's some people who are, you know, yeah. basically relatively unknowns and it's a different strategy than when you're getting like Richard Wolf on again, you know. Um but Definitely. thanks again, Jonathan. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Keep the faith. All right, let's go to T Jasmine. What is on your mind this evening? Well, hello. Hello. So I'm always excited to talk to you. <laughs> it's a pleasure. I think that everyone delights so in your accent that the feeling is mutual. Okay. Um, so I have to agree with you on um, today's podcast. I just came in and because um, I was on the road, so I just got to see it later tonight. And as soon as I saw it, I'm saying it's possible that you're on calling right now. So let me just. <laughs> Jasmine? Jasmine, are you still there? Uh-oh. Jasmine, it looks like you're still there, but we can't hear you anymore. Hello? Papa, can you hear me? Hear me? Oh, there you go. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Yeah, I I trusted that it would write itself. Yeah, We're back. I was like, right. oh my god, because I, I the screen went dark and I was like, what's going on? Is she hearing me? I'm not hearing anything. So, anyways, so um, I worked as a database developer. Well, I was worked as a programmer, but I also did database development, and on the back end. I know that you can write queries or um, stored procedures where you can have, 
it will look like a general search, but you can have something that X's out certain things, you know, like you can have um, situations where you say only people on the, you, you're, for all intents and purposes to the person on the front end, it might look like you can search the entire thing, but there are some caveats that you put in the code that would prevent people from picking up certain other things like leftist things that happened with leftists, you know? Mm-hmm. So he shouldn't be so certain that he's get like, nobody should be a hundred percent certain that they're getting like, unless they know how to write scripts themselves, um, mm-hmm. search scripts themselves, they shouldn't be so trusting in that they're getting the entire thing from Elon Musk on the Twitter, on the, the searches. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be so 100% I've gotten everything or, you know, there could be caveats. I don't know what they're putting in the search bar, but it's possible that in the search um, program itself, it just takes certain things from it. And Mm -hmm. within the the, the code, it it also X's out certain things. So they shouldn't be so 100% certain. Because I'm neither left nor right, Mm -hmm. but I know that. I got kicked off Twitter just because I said something about, um, I was, you know, those NAFOS people. Mm-hmm. I said the something Ukraine that trolls. they didn't like. Yeah. They didn't like something I said about Ukraine. Like I was like Russia, you know, and they kicked me out just like that. They called yeah. me a bot and kicked me out. So yeah, I, I that. know that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was saying, I remember that happening. Yeah. So for one thing, um, let me stop following that something. You guys, Brady Cow, like, you guys have got to stop saying he can only report on what he gets. Nobody is arguing that he shouldn't report on what he's gotten or that he hasn't done a really good job reporting on what he's gotten. The argument is he can't make claims about what the directionality is if he's only gotten a sliver of the pie. You gotta stop saying that. He can only report on what he gets. No shit, Sherlock. That's not the issue. Yeah, no one is mad at him. No one is saying he shouldn't have reported on the Twitter files. I mean, Glenn kind of did, but I don't agree with that. Like, no one's saying that he shouldn't have done this. No one's saying that he should walk away from the project. I even will defend him kind of tiptoeing around Elon to an extent because it's important work and he should try to maintain access as long as possible. Like, no one is arguing that. So find a new argument. But I'm sorry. Go, go ahead, go ahead, Jasmine. Um, Elon, Elon... You know, let's be, I'm going to be honest, because when I was on Twitter, I also followed Matt Taibbi. I also had, you know, he was, I got his um, tweets in my feed and so on. I can tell you, no offense to Matt, but he's skewing a little bit to the right where he feels like he's being battered by the liberals. And I'm not saying he isn't, but he's skewing right to a, a, a bias that you probably are, you're probably picking up on. I agree well, with look, him. I'm not even making those I'm kinds of claims. I'm, I'm agreeing with him that F, he should, you know, all those FBI things that he's uncovering is good. And I noticed that Jim Jordan is going in on the FBI. And um, to your point, when you were saying that um, the left should be happy to get in agreement with um, people like that lady. What's her name? That, uh, Marjorie Taylor um, Green. Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greene um, in terms of disbanding the FBI and that sort of thing. Um, well, right now, Jim Jordan is asking because the, the government shouldn't be 
censoring people or ordering censorship. So I have to say I appreciate Matt's um, digging in on certain things like, you know, the establishment really shouldn't be in the business of censoring anyone. Mm-hmm. And I'm on the complete um, position where everything should be left there. If something is, if somebody is inciting violence, then go ahead and go ahead and deal with them legally because there's a legal system for that. You shouldn't be in the business of censoring anybody. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I, just the one point I want to make is that, you know, if it seems weirdly conspiratorial, like why would Elon go through the trouble of excluding the stuff about Bernie Sanders? Like, I agree that sounds a little crazy, and I don't think that that's actually what happened. And this isn't even – I think the reason we haven't seen anything about Bernie is because, as Matt said, he's not searched for it, and that's his prerogative. And But it's good to know that that's what's going on. Because earlier, like, like um, um, Jonathan had said – during a call-in with Matt that I listened to a month or two ago, he asked how many searches about the left have you done, and I got the impression that if he hadn't already done some, he was going to do some. So I thought that he had done the searches and like nothing came up, and I was just going to have to live with that. Finding out that the searches hadn't even been done was like a whole other thing, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of surprising, and that's news that we should know. That's context that we need for these claims that there hasn't been very much found that's anti-the left. Okay. Now – that being said, what I do think might happen, what you might be able to expect from, I don't know, someone who was recently the richest person in the world, was any some obscuring of a choice that he's made since he's even been at Twitter, mm-hmm. right? And maybe Jack as well as someone who was obviously very affluent as well. But I don't want to pull Jack into this. I have no reason to make any claims about Jack. But about language around, you know, fact-checking Things about Bernie saying, uh, Bernie discussing a wealth tax or Medicare for all, you know, billionaire tax, things like that. We've seen Jeff Bezos issue these crazy headlines in the Washington Post about how, like, taxing the rich is bad, actually. You know, we've seen, um, you know, we've seen uh, uh, people lose their, we saw, what's his name, J.P. Morgan, Jamie, Jamie Diamond come out and issue all of these statements when Bernie was running in 2019 because he got so scared about how the public uh, opinion was turning against these kind of things. And they issued this new, like, business rule about how they were going to be more magnanimous and nicer to workers and stuff because they were so afraid of Bernie's labor policy actually forcing them to be decent human beings. You know, who knows what's going on, what, what kind of, you know, Twitter conversations have been happening around some of the censorship of, of Elon. Remember before he bought the company, there was, he got in trouble because he was threatening to fire his own employees on Twitter uh, in a way that violated some labor law and he had to pay a fine. Are any of the Twitter file documents going to bring any of that up? Or is Elon Musk going to say, uh, don't tell them about internal decision-making Twitter was doing about whether or not I should be banned or fined for my behavior on Twitter that was anti-labor and coercive back before I owned the app. Do you know what I mean? Like, we cannot pretend that Elon Musk, even if we we appreciate him opening the kimono and talking about the and, and revealing these Twitter files, and we can think that's a good thing, and maybe even you like some of his other changes to the app, we can you can say that that's a good thing without forgetting that this man is one of the richest men on the planet, and his agenda is different than yours. And at very least, even as you appreciate some of the things that he's doing, well. you just and keep one eye biases. open. That's it. And he has a lot of biases as well. 
you know he has his own biases as well Elan does and one thing um if if they're thing if if they're censoring people on the right they also censored people on the left um i'm sure aaron Mate can talk about different people who got you know what there are different people who got kicked off the app for saying certain things mm -hmm. and and they weren't right they weren't right-wing people there were people who were progressive people who were talking about political issues or issues um, economic issues that they got kicked off of. There are people who, um, there are pe like, okay, this person wasn't on Twitter, granted, and it might, might not be a Twitter issue, but he was, his place in, in Florida was raided by the FBI, and if the FBI is in the business of trying to muzzle people who are um, talking about because this was an African person they were mm -hmm. trying to bring up some argument but that he was in collusion with Russia or Russia was mm -hmm. putting him on or some nonsense like that if they're if they have that sort of thing um, against a person who was simply a black somebody who was talking about issues African black pan-african issues then, yes, the African People's Socialist Party was who it was, who got raided yes. by the FBA in August. Right. And and this person is, well, let's be honest, that's a leftist issue. That's a, that's a, a traditionally leftist, because this person is socialist and he's talking about um, oppressed people's issues. So mm -hmm. that's a leftist. That is, there's nothing more leftist than that. I'm not... No offense to people who are talking about trans issues or whatever else, but real left issues were about people being oppressed, um, you know, racial oppression and among other kinds of oppression. And well, I don't think there's any need to rank them, but I take your point that this is a clear, yes, left political issue and, and, and economic issue FBI in addition to... The FBI has, an, has a history of whether it's killing or you know, putting people into, to, to sort of like planting people to sort of um, break up the group or, you know, that sort of thing. That's what the FBI does. Um, so I'm sure there are people on Twitter who were also, whether I'm sure they weren't necessarily African socialists, but I'm sure there are people who were talking about social issues or leftist issues on Twitter that the FBI got rid of as well. It's not just... You know, those right people, right wing people. So, and you know what? Well, look, maybe there isn't. Maybe there isn't. But we literally don't know that. <laughs> because, like, we haven't really, the, the, those searches haven't been done. And we also don't know how much of the document, um, documents we've actually received. That's all I'm saying. So, yes, I, so I, I think I that, agree with you. I yeah. agree with you. He cannot make that claim that it was just skewed right. It was yeah. just he can make a qualified right claim right. for sure. From what I've seen thus far, yada, yada, yada. But here's the, all the important things that we have yet, yet to look at. Like, I think that's also all completely, com totally fine. But, you know, sometimes he qualifies. I, I take Maggie's point that at the beginning of his Substack pieces and whatnot, he puts that disclaimer, but he gets... It's I'm, I, again, I'm, I'm not trying to rag on Matt here, but like there's a very different there's a that that those those qualifiers are not included in many of the uh, interviews he's been given and in many of like the tweets that he's been doing outside the context of the strict reporting on his sub stack, et cetera. And that's just it is what it is.
And don't feel like, you know, don't feel like you, like, I will defend, listen, I will defend um, um, you against any massage noir <laughs> morning, noon, and night. So don't feel like you're, you're, you're out here on a limb when people are coming against you just because you are being strict in your um, critique. You are trying to get um, something across or you're trying to figure out something from somebody who made a claim that they shouldn't have made because they have no basis to make that claim. Yeah. So don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, pre- I appreciate you calling in, Jasmine. This is yeah. this has been a good chat. Lots of good chats tonight. Look, I know that this is a popular subject and we could go on for um, quite a while, but we're at two hours and my phone is in the red hardcore. So if people want to keep talking about this, um, come back on Thursday. We can continue the conversation about this or anything else that's been popping off. Um, But I appreciate all of you for weighing in. Obviously, completely fine if you disagreed. Um, I appreciate the discourse. All right, kids. All right. Thank you, Jasmine. Thank Keep the faith. You. Spread it gently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. And Bye. I will see you on Thursday. Wish I was a lion in the tall grass. Wish I had a pilot and a podcast. Wish I had a strong donkey that can haul ass and travel with portable speakers playing Boz Scats. Wish I had a million dollars. I wish I had a million albums. I wish I had a million problems. That way I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes. I wish I found a genie lamp. I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man. Yeah. I wish I was a comedian. Late night sitcom syndicated on TV land. I wish this well had water in it These kids are stealing all my pennies Focused on my wealth You can help me wish But I would rather wish the help is like It's like I wish, I wish And every time we love and it feels just like this